So we're ending our, our series today on love is a, is a four-letter word. And then uh, we're going to talk about this in it, uh, throughout the summer. We're going to talk it, about God is, okay? So God is, we're going to look at God is hope when you're hurting. We're going to look at God is all about living without worry. We're going to talk about what do, what do you actually do when you can't feel like you actually love God? Like there's that disconnect. Then we're going to do one in the summer, which I hope all of you will be here for, the message you don't want to hear. Uh, that's always a good prep. Uh, God is the person you turn to when you're frustrated. And then that final one, God is hope for that hopeless situation. So come sometime this summer. Remember, if you don't ever hear uh, you're not here on a Sunday. You can watch it. Renfrew's. We have the YouTube, but you also can watch and listen to it on the podcast. So, so often in our in our Western world, when we talk about being a Christ follower, people always refer to Jesus and me. Jesus and me is is, is a good thing. People talk about this personal relationship with Jesus, that's a, a, a great thing, actually. But I believe that as we look at Scripture, you can make an argument that not only do we need to have that personal relationship with, with Jesus, but more important, we need to have a shared relationship with Jesus. This relationship with God is like no other, but it always grows in community. See, part of the problem, I believe, is that we've been convinced that it's our own personal relationship with Jesus, void of community. See, there's something powerful that happens when we come together as a church. If you pray alone, that can be very powerful. But when you pray with others, I'm telling you, there's something that happens when you join your faith with others. And with others, we always feel like we're touching the heart of God. It's the same thing with worship. You can worship in your car. I see some of you. You can worship like crazy in your car. But it's way more powerful when we come together as a church and experience worship. So I'm going to make this statement a few times today. We are a faith-filled Big thinking. Bet the farm risk takers. This is who we are as Daybreak Community Church and Renfrew Baptist Church. You see, that is why we're actually working to figure out this network thing, how we actually work together. I want us at Daybreak and Renfrew to never insult God with small thinking or safe living. We want to seek God for the impossible. We want to believe God for miracles. We want to dream that God can do exceedingly and abundantly more in our lives through our church for His glory. That generations who come behind us would know who He is. We'll be faith-filled in all we do. I want to start this message off by laying a quick foundation by looking at two different stories about Jesus. And the interesting thing is, these stories, you're going to be 
seeing that Jesus is amazed with two different ways. And he was amazed for two different reasons. In fact, he was amazed on the opposite ends of the spectrum. The the first story is Jesus in his hometown. He was teaching. And some people were offended, saying things like this. Who does he think he is? He's the son of a carpenter. He shouldn't be saying these kind of things. On the screen, you're going to see Mark chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. A perfect description of, of one end of the spectrum. He could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. Then look at this in verse 6. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Jesus was amazed. He was blown away. He was shocked. He was stunned that they didn't believe he had the power to do what he said he could do. That he was who he said he was. He was amazed at their lack of faith. The the second story we're going to look at is in Luke, and there's this centurion who the Jewish people surely would have hated because of all the cruel things that centurions were known to do. And the centurion had a sick servant that was dying. And so the centurion sent someone to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, please come to this guy. And whenever Jesus met up with the centurion, the centurion simply said this, You don't need to go to my house to pray for my servant. At your very word, I believe my servant will be healed. At your very word, Jesus, you just say it and my servant will be healed. Luke chapter 7 verse 9. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd, following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Two different times. Jesus was amazed. He was amazed at one moment at their lack of faith. And the next moment he was amazed at this man's great faith. So friends, here's the question this morning. If Jesus looked at your faith level those things that you're attempting to do for his glory, those things that you are believing that he will do, would Jesus be amazed at how big, how audacious, how bold your faith is? Or would Jesus be amazed at your lack of faith? Think about it for a second. It's a great question to to wrestle with. In fact, what I I want us to do, I want to kind of help us be honest, and I'm going to ask you in a moment to rank your faith somewhere between 1, which would be the lowest, or 10, which would be the highest. And in order to be semi-accurate, what I want you to do is simply think of your past week. Just this last week of your life. It's easy to remember for most of us. What great big steps of faith did you take this week? Did you attempt something that was so bold, so daring, that if God hadn't come through for you, there's no way it would have happened? 
Think about your prayer life. What did you pray for? Imagine this. Imagine if God answered every single prayer that you prayed last week with a yes, and it was immediate. I mean, you prayed it, and immediately God was like, poof, there it is. You asked for it. Yes, 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 yes. Everything you prayed for. If God answered yes immediately to everything that you prayed, what would be different in the world? For some of you, if you have like an eight or a nine, I mean, there would have been a lot of people healed of sickness. There might have been a child that was adopted into a family, maybe a marriage that was healed, and all those really cool things would have happened because you were praying great prayers. Some of you, myself included, if you looked at last week, your food would have been blessed, right? You would have made it to grandma's house safely. You know those prayers, God give us traveling mercies, help us get there safely, which about 99.9% of the time you get there anyway safely. Oh God, put angels around us as we travel. Friends, what would be different in our world if God answered every single prayer you prayed with a yes? For some of us, unfortunately, nothing would be different. Because we didn't pray a a single prayer. We didn't attempt anything that was bold and daring for the kingdom and glory of God. Go back to those stories. Would God be amazed at my great faith? Or would he be blown away that I didn't attempt anything? (laughs) That I didn't pray anything significant in the last week? Here's that sentence again at daybreak in Renfrew. I believe God is calling us to be faith-filled, big-thinking, bet-the-farm risk-takers, to never insult God with small thinking or safe living. And so in order to inspire us, all of us, to take bold faith steps. I want to simply give to you three faith-filled facts that will help build your faith. This time together will end in our word for the summer. I want you to be people of love. This is really important to understand, and you can't miss it, and it's going to come on your screen. You can't play it safe and please God. You can't play it safe and please God. In fact, the author of Hebrews said this in the great faith chapter, that Hebrews chapter 11, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. In other words, friends, it's really easy. If you can do everything within your own power and you never need the power of God, then you're living without faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. You see, the challenge that I think is sometimes in our part of the world, people kind of almost glorify faith. They think, okay, if you've got great faith, 
you're always going to have that faith face. You're never going to doubt. You're never going to have a bad day. You just kind of float on this eternal faith. The reality is faith is sometimes messy. It's not constant. It's not clean. There's moments where I have great faith. And the next moment I'm filled with great doubt. And sometimes I feel like God really spoke to me. And then other moments where I'm like, I'm not so sure. And it's hard to follow this God that we don't see. It's hard to take faith steps. It's very messy. That's why it's called faith. Because it's not proven what's going to happen. There's the, I believe God, you're calling me to do this, and here I go. You cannot play it safe and please God. One of the greatest examples in Scripture is Peter. When all the disciples were in the boat, Jesus walks on the water. He's like, everybody, come see me. And Peter, the crazy guy, gets out of the boat and starts walking on water. And everyone in the boat criticized Peter and said, Peter, you failed. Peter, you looked at the wind and you sank. There were 11 guys that didn't get out of the boat. Do you remember Peter actually walked on water before he failed? And so often our fear of failure actually takes faith out of our life. Because we think that failing actually means that we're missing God. I've discovered that failing is often the first step to discovering God. Never let that fear of failure stop you from taking a step of faith. What's going to happen if I get out of the boat? I don't know. All I know is you have to step out to find out. I don't know who this is going to speak to this morning, but for some of you, you're playing it way, 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 way too safe. You can't play it safe and please God. I would argue that if you're not failing every now and then, you're playing it way too safe. Go back to those two stories. Would God be amazed at Matt's great faith? Or would God be amazed at Matt's great lack of faith? You cannot play it safe and please God. The, the second thing, and it'll be on the screen behind me, the second thing is, uh, as long as you have a guarantee, you don't have faith. As long as you have a guarantee, you don't have faith. Hebrews 11, verse 1, going back a few verses from Hebrews eleven six. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and an assurance about what we do not see. Notice what it's not. What's guaranteed, but what we hope for. We're still hoping. I hope this is God. I hope this works. It's confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us an assurance of what we cannot see. Maybe you're like me. I need a guarantee. I want a guarantee. Is this going to work? I need a guarantee. Now for some of us, It'll be hard to remember this, but work hard. Do you remember dating when you were young? 
Maybe you passed that note that said, do you like me? Check the box. Or maybe you tried to always be near to that person that you liked. But the reality is when we're dealing with God, sometimes we add an extra box, maybe. God, I I think you're calling me to this. I'm not sure. Is it you, God? How do I know? How do I know? Listen, you can have faith or you can have control. You can't have both. You can have faith or you can have control. You can't have both of them. Sometimes you just have to say, I think that God's calling me to do this. I hope God's calling me to do this. I believe God's calling me to do this. You can have faith or you can have control. You just can't have both. As churches this year, we're going to try, we're going to do some things that I don't know how they're going to turn out. And I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but someone is going to get a call from God to start a business or to start a ministry. And we want God to tell us, here's step one, here's step two, here's step three. God's not going to show you that. You have to take step one. There's no guarantee you follow God. The only guarantee that we know from Scripture is that he who has started a great work in you is faithful. You have to take some faith risks. You can't play it safe. And here's the third principle. To step toward our calling, to step toward our calling, you have to step away from security. Friends, you got to let go of the tree. But Matt, what's going to happen? How's it going to end? If I knew all of that, it wouldn't be faith. This is exactly what Abraham did. In one of those crazy, faith-filled stories in the Old Testament, Hebrews 11, verse 8, now we go on a few verses, by faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to a, a place, he would later receive as an inheritance. Listen to these words, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. (laughs) Abraham, when called to a place where he would later receive his blessing, obeyed and went, even though he had no clue where he was going. He let go of the tree. He took the first step. And when you take that step and your eyes are on the author and perfecter of our faith, and suddenly by his power, we're not walking by our sight anymore, we're actually walking by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So friends, would God be amazed at our amazing faith, or would he be amazed that We have access to his power, his throne room. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells within you, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. You have access to go to God before, to go before God and ask him, and God hears our prayer. Would God be amazed 
at my lack of faith. All right, let's get practical here. How will this play out in our lives? Well, there's two things. I believe that it'll play out in our lives individually, and I believe that it'll play out in our lives corporately. I believe that God is is going to speak to some of you, and you're going to uh, have to take a huge step of faith. And I believe that God is going to speak to us as churches, and we're going to have to take huge steps of faith together. For you, individually, as a follower of Jesus, you may have to take that faith step to share your faith with someone that doesn't know Jesus. Maybe it's that family member that you haven't talked to for a while. Maybe it's that coworker, that boss. Maybe it's somebody that you see on a regular basis. And you know they really need to know the truth. But you're not sure how that's going to happen. Friends, you're going to have to take that step of faith. Maybe you're wrestling through, are they going to respond positively? Your faith is always built when you obey what God puts on your heart. For multiple summers, when I was a youth pastor, there was a coffee shop in our community called The Coffee Couch. I'm not a huge coffee drinker. For some reason, God kept calling me to The Coffee Couch. And we would go on a daily basis to the coffee couch and we met the owner, Brenda, and Brenda would have great conversations. Brenda started to attend the church that we would, that I was pastoring at. And we would talk about life and every summer I would go to this event with our students called Students Equipped to Minister to Their Peers. And one of the exercises was always to write a letter to one of your spiritually searching friends. And so for multiple summers, I wrote that letter to Brenda. And Brenda, in the end of the summer, when the schedule would come back and we started to have coffees again, Brenda would look and say, thanks for writing that letter, Matt. I'm just not ready yet. And I would think, oh, you know what? It's, I'm not doing it right. Why am I constantly writing to Brenda? I've already written her multiple letters. Brenda and Keith asked me to to do their wedding. I did their wedding in the backyard. Brenda introduced me as their pastor, even though she didn't accept Jesus. Brenda ended up in Houston. Brenda and Keith ended up in Houston. And I got a call from Brenda saying, Matt, you... She left a voice message saying, Matt, you need to call me. And I thought, oh no, what has happened? And and Brenda, over the phone, once I called her, said, Matt, I, I found Jesus 15 years later. And I want you to be at my baptism. Now, did I do it wrong or was I just... My step of obedience in the long journey of her finding Jesus. Philemon 6 says this. It's one of my favorite verses. I pray. I pray that your partnership with us in faith may be effective in deepening your relationship of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. In a different translation, it says this, I pray that you may be active in the sharing of your faith so that you may understand every good thing you have in Christ. 
Some of you, that's what you need to do. You need to share your faith this summer. Some of you, you're needing to tithe for the first time in your life. You've heard it. You've thought about it. You've made excuses. And suddenly you're going to do something that makes no rational sense. But to return 10% of what God blesses you with back to him. Suddenly, if your faith was a number two, you're going to see Jehovah Jireh provide and recognize that 90% with God's blessing actually is more than 100% without it. And suddenly our faith grows from a five or six or seven when we start to take that act of faith. Some of you, you're going to step out and start a ministry here at daybreak, and in the back of your mind, you're saying this, am I good enough? Do I know enough? What's going to happen? And you don't know. And several months later, you're going to sit back and say, this is my favorite thing in my life. I'm partnering with God. I'm sharing his word. I'm so glad that I took a step of faith. And suddenly, as your faith grows, guess what? Our church's faith grows. All of a sudden, we start to see that we as the church, when we gather together, our faith touches the heart of God. And suddenly, as our church, our faith grows, all of a sudden, we will realize that we're faith-filled, big-thinking, bet-the-farm risk-takers. So friends at daybreak... We're not going to sit back. Listen to me. We are going to think big. You need to hear me. We're going to think big. Our God did not give us a small commission, but a great commission that everyone would know him, that the gospel would be preached around the world. I see the world's needs as huge. (laughs) We're just getting started. And I believe God wants us individually and corporately to think big because faith pleases the heart of God. And more importantly than that, when God looks at you, I want him to be amazed at your faith. And when God looks at our church, I want him to be amazed at our faith. Because I believe with all my heart, in the next year, our God wants to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ask, think, or imagine according to his great power at work in the church. So what are we, Daybreak? We're faith-filled. We're big thinking. We're bet-the-farm risk-takers. We're never going to insult God with small thinking or safe living. So how are we going to do it? Well, we're going to start with Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40, that we're going to love the Lord your God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're going to love our neighbor as ourself. We're going to love our enemies. Friends, those are the words of Jesus. Jesus says that loving God and loving neighbors are the greatest commandments. On his last night with his disciples, Jesus said that they would be known by how much they love each other. Why is it so hard for us to love others and love our neighbors? To truly love our neighbors, and this is the challenge for us this summer, we actually have to make a commitment to doing just that, loving and being present for them. 
to love our neighbors and our neighborhoods well and to love our enemies and the folks who drive us crazy, we need to know and believe that we are truly and totally loved by God. Maybe you're like me. We forget that Jesus loves us and that we're chosen by him and we're called his friends. We forget how much we're loved and then we can't love others well. Maybe we don't love ourselves, so we have a hard time loving our friends, much less the people who really bother us. You and I need to open the gift of God's love this summer. We need to experience the love of Jesus so that we can share it with our friends, families, and our enemies too. This summer... Let's do the love God and love others part well. Let's pray. God, if I said anything that wasn't of you, take it from my friends' minds. If you used me in a small way to encourage my friends, make it about the Holy Spirit that prompts, guides, and leads. Lord, we pray that for us at daybreak in Renfrew, that we would be faith-filled. Bet the farm risk-takers. That we would be known not as the church that's way down on Yankee Valley Boulevard, but we're a church that loves really, really well. God, give us new dreams, give us new visions, give us the ability to think beyond what we could ever see with our human eyes. We want to be the kind of people and the church that you look at and say, well done, good and faithful servants. We love you. We ask all this in your name. Amen.